Well, Merry Christmas. So glad to have you guys fighting the rain. We've already talked a little bit about that, but this is our third. We've had three, well, three packed services to God be the glory. And there is nothing I would rather do on Christmas Eve than share the gospel and be with my extended family. So thank you guys. I consider you my extended. I hope you consider me. I'm not an outlaw or an in-law. Hopefully I'm a good extended family. But I'm so glad you're here. And I just want to take a few moments and share, uh, I think, what the Lord's put on my heart for tonight. And I, as I was getting ready, you know, when you preach, this is my 18th, 19th Christmas sermon or service. So that's how long I've been here. So, so it gets challenging to come up with a new way to present the Christmas story. So, so I, I was thinking, you know, and I was reading through it and studying and trying to prepare. And in Luke's gospel, he he has a, unique, a little bit unique about how he tells the story. And he, he says that Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph, and they were in the city. And, and right in the, in, in the, I love the New Living Translation says, and there were shepherds in the neighborhood. And, and so these angels wanted to announce to the shepherds that Jesus had been born. So they just kind of show up, and it startles the shepherds. And, and obviously they're, they're, they're wigging out what's going on. And the angels say, hey, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. And so I started really pondering on that word joy. And, and, and I, I try to think about, because right about the time I was preparing for this, a man came to me and said, Pastor, I know I'm not doing the right thing. I know this is wrong, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving my wife. I found somebody else. And here's the reason. I'm just not happy. And here was his, here was his, here's what he said. Here's what he asked me. And pastor, doesn't God want me to be happy? And I, I thought about that for, for a little bit, still thinking about it. And I think God wants us to be happy to a degree. But who determines, who defines what happiness is? And he might be happy for a while, but what happens when, when that woman doesn't fulfill that whatever and, and he's not happy anymore? What about the woman he left? Is she happy? What about the kids that now are going to be, uh, you know, all of, are they happy? What, what, is, what is happiness and who gets to define it. I found our culture is, a, is in a pursuit of happiness. And so we make decisions based on how happy we buy things, based on how happy, how we just want to fix this thing in our heart. I just want to be happy. Is it wrong to want to be happy? I remember when I got my first car, it was a 1976 Toyota Celica. I mean, red, four-speed took out the 8-track player, put a cassette player in there. I mean, I was rolling. I was 16 years old. The car had been spent. My aunt drove it for a while, and then my brother drove it for a while, and then it got passed down to me. But I was just so excited to have a car and some freedom, and I could go where I wanted to go. And man, when I got, when my dad gave me the keys of that Toyota, I was happy. I was happy until I got my first ticket. And then I was happy to, I was on a date with Angie, nonetheless, my wife today. And, and we, the, the, something broke in the middle of a thunderstorm. She thought I did it on purpose. I'm telling you, it was an accident. We were stuck in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> and we did nothing. We just, we just prayed together. And read. Anyway, you don't care about that. We were, we were in, this, in the middle of nowhere. And, and, and I, it wasn't real happy. It was really embarrassing when I had to tell her day what happened. It was, I wasn't real happy when I had to pay the insurance and the maintenance fee and the gas. And what I thought was bringing me happiness now was becoming a pain in my rear end. It was like, and so what do I do? Because I want to be happy. I got to get a new car. 
I gotta get something better and faster and slicker and whatever that doesn't break down on me. I gotta get something new, and that's what we do in our pursuit of happiness. And we can replace the car with a job or a person or a place, and, and it just goes on and on. But but I, I, you gotta know something about happiness. It comes from the Latin word hap, which means chance. And all you that are looking and longing for happiness, this is what it's based on. It's based on circumstance. It's based on, on, on what you're going through at the time. And we never can arrive at happiness because, it, at least in my life, it never line, completely lines up. Oh, this will get straight and everything's going good here. But then maybe there's just something out of whack here. And it never gets complete. The stars never align so I can finally, fully, completely, forever sense this happiness. And so, so the question is, does God want you happy? And my answer is no. He has so much more for you than happiness. Because happiness by its very definition does not produce long-term peace and contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction. God doesn't want you just in and out, up and down. He wants to give you a life full of joy. And joy is so much different than happiness. And, and, and here's what people are chasing happiness. They're, and they'll do whatever they got to do to get it. And they're living on an island called someday. Someday I'll be happy. When, when I get the promotion or get the new car or finish high school or when I get married. And joy has nothing to do with the circumstance or current situation. It doesn't even have anything to do with the future predictions. It has everything to do with the fact that I serve a good God with a promising plan who constantly cares and generously gives everything I need for life and godliness. My prayer for you this Christmas season is that you'll quit pursuing and running and going after happiness and you'll allow God to fill you with his joy. You, you don't even want happiness. It's fleeting and it's fickle and it's a fraction of what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's his desire for your life. And it begins with a relationship with Jesus. I'll come back to that. But as I thought about it, well, what are some things we need to remove? Barriers, obstacles that get in the way of us experiencing joy. And here's one of them. One of them is just worry. And, and you know what Jesus said? He said, don't worry about anything. I feed the birds of the air and I clothe the lilies of the field. How much more? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries and concerns of its own. You concentrate on this day and seek first the day as kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. And why was he so profound? Why, why so, why so uh, absolute, man? Don't, don't worry because worry strangles. You know that if you're a worrier. If you've been through seasons of worry, it'll strangle you spiritually. You can't live an overcoming, connected life with Christ when you're, when you're dealing with constant fear and anxiety and worry. It'll, it'll, strangle, it'll strangle you physically. It zaps you of your energy and your creativity. It'll strangle you emotionally. It'll, it'll strangle you in, in physically headaches and ulcers and, and, and heart ailments. There was a, I was going through a season not long ago where I was just stressed out. You guys have been there. You know what I'm talking about. And, and it just some relational struggles and, and, and some things at, at, at the church that weren't working out the way I anticipated. There were some things we were going through where I was questioning my ability to lead. And what have I got myself into? And I'm not qualified for this. And, and all those things. And just worried and just stressed. And it was weighing on me, strangling me, strangling the life out of me. 
And I, I, was, I was in my room and just kind of thinking and really under this weight. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And I, I, don't, I don't hear this all the time, what an audible voice, but kind of just in my, in my heart. And, and it felt like the Lord was saying, hey, hey, am I not bigger than what you're going through? Am I not in control? And, I, you know, I started kind of wrestling with the Lord. Well, yeah, thank you, Arbor. It sure doesn't look like you are. And I'm not, am I not greater than your challenge? And can I not see you through your struggle? Have I not promised to take care of you regardless? Is this stuff you're worried about, is it really worth it? And then that verse popped in my mind that says, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so I just started to pray. I got my mind off what was going on, and I just said, Lord, forgive me for, for, for fearing, forgive me for worrying, forgive me for stressing. And, and according to your word, it says that you're working all things for my good, and, and you care for the birds, and you feed the lilies, and you're going to take care of me. And so, God, I just put this in your hands, and I surrender to you, and, and I'm just letting it go. It's yours, God. You take it. And, and, a, and it's something, but the word of God is true, and immediately there was a supernatural peace that flooded my heart. And then I did something real, real, real spiritual. I watched two episodes of Everybody Loves, Loves Raymond and just laughed and laughed. And, 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 you know, that night I went to bed. For the first time, I made it through the whole night without having to go to the bathroom. Not because of stress, but because my bladder seems to be shrinking or something, something's not right. And a lot of you ask, Pastor, how can we pray for you? Here's what you pray. Pray my bladder will get bigger and I don't have to go to the bathroom. I just want to sleep through the night. Can, can anybody say amen to that? Am I the only one? Just, you young people, you don't know, but it's coming. It's coming. I used to laugh at old people who couldn't wait through, couldn't go. That's another sermon. Let's just stay on this. Here. Here's what you can do. You can choose to focus on your problem. And your joy and the energy and the enthusiasm can be sucked right out of you. Or you can fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You can focus on his greatness and his power, his ability, his care, his plan, his purpose, his love, his faithfulness, his goodness. And all these things of the world, you know what happens? They begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, joy is a choice. It's a matter of your attitude. It's a, it's a confidence in God that he's at work, that he's in full control, that he's in the midst of whatever happened, what is happening, and what will happen. So here's my advice to you that are, that are longing for something so much greater than joy. You want, I mean, so much greater than happiness. You want true joy. Here's what I would say. Worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. Here's another thing that, that will just zap you of your joy. It's unforgiveness. Uh, Max Licata shares a story about a guy by the name of Kevin Tunnel. who was 17 years old. He got drunk one night, got in a car, got in a head-on collision, and he killed an 18-year-old girl. And so he had to go to court. He was convicted of manslaughter, and his sentence was seven years of probation, and he had to talk about, he had to go tell his story at church groups and uh, athletic events teens. He had to share this story of drinking and driving and why it's wrong. The family demanded by the judge, and he, and he agreed, that Kevin would have to pay a dollar a week for the next 18 years. That every Friday he would have to sit down and write out a check in the name of the girl. He'd have to put, a, put the address and stamp it in an envelope, and it'd send it to the family. And every week, that one dollar would go into a bank account for a, a scholarship of some kind. 
And there were several times where he didn't do it. One time he went four months, four weeks in a row without giving a check. And so he was called back to court. And he told the judge, it's not that I don't want to write the check. It's that I hate the memory of it. Every time I write the check, it's rehearsed. And every time I, that I think about it, the pain and, the, and the, that I've caused people and the hurt and the shame and the guilt and the regret, it's just overbearing to me. And, and, and I just, hey, just let me pay everything. I'll pay you double, triple. You can take all my money. Here, I'll give you every check you can write. You can do what you want to with it. Please don't make me write a check every week. It's killing me. The judge sent him to jail for 30 days, and he had to come back out. And this is what the mom of that daughter that he killed said. She said that this is it, Kevin. We want to receive the check every week, and we want it on time. you got to understand we're going to pursue this for the entire 18 years, and we will go back to court every month if we have to. Few could question the anger of this family. The daughter's life had been snuffed out by a 17-year-old who was irresponsible and broke the law, and he should have been punished. Probably the punishment wasn't enough, but my focus is not on Kevin. My concern is for the family. Is 936 payments enough? And when they receive that final payment, will they be at peace? And with that last check, will they be able to put this matter to rest? And will 196 months of remorse be adequate? And the question is, how much is enough? If you were a family in their situation, how many payments would you require? Or better yet, how many payments do you require? Because the reality is we've all been hurt. We've all been stung. None of us go through life injury free. This girl died because someone drank too much, but something might have died in you because somebody talked too much or demanded too much or neglected too much. Everyone has hurt. Everyone's been wounded. And everyone must decide, how many payments will I demand? And because joy is a choice and unforgiveness is a barrier, you can choose to be a victim and you can hang on to it and you can want, let one foolish person dictate your life and, and change your countenance and poison your personality and sabotage your character and control your future and allow them to rob you of your joy. And I've seen a lot of sour people that are walking around because they've not, they've not allowed God to heal them because they're so bitter and resentful and they won't release the hurt that they're, that they're walking around void of joy and in a terrible place. You can choose to hang on or you can choose to forgive. And forgiveness starts the healing process. So here's my advice. You've been hurt. You've been stung. Even as I talk about this, maybe an issue, maybe a, a relationship, something is spurred up and you're, you're, here's what you can do. You can release it. And here's my advice. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, because you've forgiven me, I'm going to forgive them. I refuse to, my right to retaliate or get even. Lord, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let you, not for their sake, for your sake. For, for joy's sake, for peace of mind's sake. You got, I'm telling you, you got to forgive for your spiritual well-being, for your physical well-being. You, you can either release it or you can rehearse it. And rehearse it means to just play it like a tape recorder over and over in your mind how they hurt you. And you know what? The more you rehearse it, the stronger it gets, the more painful it becomes. The more manipulative, the more bondage, the more, the more, the more, stre the more strain. But God wants you to walk in joy. God wants you to experience his best. And so I'm encouraging you, worry less and pray more. God's got it. He's in control. He knows what you're going through. And I would tell you, don't, don't rehearse it. Release it. Forgive because you've been forgiven. Here's the last thing about joy. It'll rob you of your joy. 
It's narcissism. You know what that means? All about me. Well, the world revolves around me. It's all about what I can get, what I can receive. Here, scientific studies have proven that when you're generous, when you bless others, when you do something above and beyond, when you do something kind for someone else, there is a chemical released in your brain that gives you pleasure. There's a chemical released in your, in your body that brings you joy. Now, that's why, that's why Paul said, Timothy, command, command your people, command your congregation, command the flock that you oversee. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share so that they can experience life. No, not just life, but true life, overcoming life, joyous life. See, this is how it works. And I'm going to tell you a few stories, and I just want you to know right out the gate, I'm not trying to boost or boast or anything. You come to my house, we got chaos just like you do. I do a lot wrong. I get a couple things right every now and then. So just get that in the context of the story. But not long ago, I was, I was driving by Panera. I was going to eat lunch there. And right on the corner of Full Street and, and where you turn to Panera, there's usually some guys out there that are holding signs, wanting money. And, and it just, you know, you know, I don't know their story, but they're homeless. And, and one time, I don't do this every time, but one time, I felt like the Lord kind of spoke to my heart. So I got out of the car, invited the guy to lunch. And we went over to Panera. I talked with him for about 45 minutes. And and he told me about where he slept. He sleeps in, in, in the stairwells of hotels. He can usually sleep, slip in after hours, and, and often he can sleep there through the night unnoticed. If he does get caught, then they usually don't call the law. He'll just go to another hotel. He talked about how he had to find his food out of a garbage can. And I don't know all the issues that he was dealing with, but this guy was in a bad place. And, and then he told me, and somebody just stole my bike. It's my only means of transportation. I just don't have a bike. And so, again, I don't do this all the time. And, but I, I went to Walmart. got the guy in my car. I went to Walmart, picked him out a bike. And, uh, he got on that bike. We left Walmart. He got on the bike. I went in my car. I got home, and I, I was telling the boys about the story. And, and they were like, Dad, what's wrong? With what You cra- You could have got killed. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And, again, I don't, I'm not even recommending. I'm just saying I, I was able to say, hey, I've never known what it is to have to dig for food in a trash can. I've never had to sleep in a hallway in the stairwell of a, of a hotel room. Never. I've never been without. It's the least I could do for that fella. And as I told that story, I mean, I start crying. And you know that chemical I talked about earlier? Something was released in my brain. And I was overcome with this supernatural, unexplainable joy. It's joy. I can't describe it to you. Not long ago, Angie and I really have a heart for, for kids that are without families. And, and we always love to help people that are trying to adopt. And there was this one couple that was adopting a kid over, from overseas. And, and it's very costly to do that. And so we knew the cost. We, we, we had thought about it at one time. And so, so we just gave them a real generous offering, gave them a real generous gift. And, and they sent me a thank you, beautiful thank you, well articulated. I was reading it at the kitchen table. And Emily came by. And, and I'm crying. And I read this letter. And she goes, Dad, what's going on? Why are you crying? I'm like, well, we were just able to help this this family maybe just small, play a small piece in, in getting them connected, a kid without a family, parents without a kid, and just doing something to bring them together. And as I told that story again, some, that chemical I talked about earlier, something was released in my brain. And there was this unexplainable joy. And some of you are so unhappy, and some of you are because your life centers all around you. 
It's all about you. It's what you can get. I'm telling you, the word of God is true. It is so much better to give than to receive. There's something when you give that this, this thing is released where there's just joy. Many of you know our story with Micah two and a half years ago, three years ago now. He came into our home. He's, he's on the front row today talking and not being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> He's mine now, so he might get a spanking after church, so we'll just see. But, but we, we, people say, well, why did you do that? It's not that we felt like we had to. It's like we could. It, I mean, and then, you know, we started thinking about it. What a, what a joy to be a difference in some kid's life that, that doesn't have a future, that might not have a hope. This, 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 tonight, another little girl that, little Maddie's with us, and I mean, you, I can't describe when I looked over at her and she's raising her hands, singing, and, and she's moving and snapping her fingers. I mean, there's something that's not, that's joy. That, that's, wow, this is amazing that I can be a part of something that's bigger than me. There, there'll be nights when I go into Micah's room, and he has to be asleep for this to happen. If he's awake, it does not work. But if he's asleep, I'll rub on his back, and I'll pray a prayer over him. And I'm telling you, if he's awake, it doesn't even count. He's asleep. There is this unexplainable, this chemical is released in my brain. And it gives me great joy to think that, that in some small way we're making a difference in a kid's life. See, I, I just want to encourage you today. You want to you up your joy quotient, give your time, give your energy, give your resources. Give your life to something that's bigger than you. Get your eyes off on your, of yourself. Do something for someone else with no expectation of something in return. Become others-minded and others-focused. Make it your priority to invest in the lives of others around you. Sow seeds with encouraging words and kind deeds and unconditional love and acts of kindness. See, here's my advice. You want joy in your life? That's what God wants for you. Worry less. Pray more. You want joy? Don't rehearse the hurt. Release it. You want joy? Give more. And expect less. Isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? A God that, that, that showed his love by sending his son. And Jesus died on a cross and John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you know what? When you enter into a relationship with Christ, when you believe him not just with your head but with your heart, you do worry less and pray more. I mean, it's just, I'm not telling you from what the Bible says, though the Bible says it. I'm telling you from experience. There is something about a sense of security and peace and joy when you know that all things are working for your good because you love God and called according to his purpose. There, there's, there's, and there's just joy when, when you've been forgiven. When you know the sins you've committed and the acts that you've done, and when Jesus just wipes it clean and throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, and you're able to forgive others because of the mercy that's been shown to you, there's joy in that. When, 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 you're, when you're able to look past yourself and you realize it's not about you, but it's about Him and about others, that friend, that, don't, that does not result in happiness. 
Because happiness is fickle and it's fleeting and it's a fraction of what God has for you. It, it equals joy. And I'm, I'm talking about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Where the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. That's why Jesus came. You know why he came? He came so you wouldn't have to go to hell, but you could go to heaven. He came so that you wouldn't have to have a meaningless, purposeless life. But you could make a difference for his glory and for his kingdom. Here's, here's what he said on the cross. I'll close with this. This is what he said on the cross in the book of Hebrews. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And he despised the shame. See, here was the deal. I'm disconnected from God. You are my sin. And, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So my sin keeps me disconnected from God. I can't connect to him. I can't reconcile with him. And so somebody perfect, sinless, had to give their life. And Jesus hung on the cross and is hanging on the cross. He was able to grab my hand and the hand of God and reconnect us and reconcile us. And with all the pain and all the shame and all the, all the hurt, all the beatings, all the mocking, he did it with joy. Why? How? Because I think in the back of his mind, he was thinking maybe Christmas Eve 2015 at a service at Cloverville Assembly of God, somebody would realize what I did for them and somebody would accept me and receive me as their Lord and Savior. He did it with joy because he was looking in the future at potentially your life and your surrendering to him. I started with what is happiness and what is joy. God wants you to experience joy and it starts with a relationship with him. And I want you to bow your heads for a minute and close your eyes. Please, nobody looking around. Will you just make this a holy moment for the next few minutes? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you, you've come and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Friend, he's here. He's here to forgive you. He's here to cleanse you. He's here to lead your life. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in your past. Jesus died for your past. Don't let your past keep you from what God wants for you. He's got a purpose and a plan, but it starts with surrender. It starts by saying, God, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? And if not, would you like to? I want to lead you to prayer. I want to start, help you start a relationship with God through Christ. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Every head is bowed, every eye is shut. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front. But in just a moment, I want you to stand. If you need Jesus, you'll join those others. And in those first two services, they stood and said, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want you to do it really quick. Will you, you say, I need Jesus. Pastor, will you pray for me? Nobody looking around. Christians, you're praying. You're believing. But you say, I need Jesus today. Your stomach's turning. Your heart's pounding. What is that? It's the Spirit of God trying to draw you, convince you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for purpose for your life. Is there anyone? Will you stand? Stand very quickly. Stand quickly, will you? Anybody in the balcony? Thank you. Anybody else? Nobody looking around. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Will everybody stand to their feet? Everybody stand to their feet. You that stood, man, what an act of courage. And I, and I think you mean business today. And I'm telling you, Jesus meant business on that cross. And he had you on his mind when he died. He had you on his mind when he rose from the dead. 
and he has you on your on your on his mind today. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I would pray something like this. You that stood, you don't have to say it out loud where people can hear, but I would I would speak it. I, I would say, Lord Jesus, I realize today that I need you. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your leadership. I invite you into my life. I remove myself as leader. And I ask you to be my leader. That's what I would say. I would just say, Lord, I give you my life. I surrender to your will. I confess you as my Savior, as my leader, and my Lord. Lord, I thank you that that's a prayer that you answered. And for these that prayed that prayer according to the word of God, you have taken up residence in their heart. You, you have filled them with your spirit. Lord, they are a new creation in Christ Jesus. That their sins have been washed away. That, that the stains have been removed. And they get a new fresh beginning tonight. And for that, we give you glory and praise, Jesus. And I pray with, that what you've done will, will just be sealed in their heart. That your spirit will bear witness with their spirit that they are now children of the Most High God. Do it, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me, will you? Look, 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 look. If you've said that prayer tonight, here's the purpose of Clorio. This is why we exist, to connect people to Christ because he's your creator. He's the one that can give you true life and to help you in your spiritual journey, to help you take the next step. You said yes to Jesus. It's not the end. It's the beginning. You're starting a fresh journey with the Lord, and you're going to need some support. You're going to need some help. You don't want to do it on your own. As you leave tonight, there's a table back there. There'll be some people around us. We, got, we want to give you a Bible, a worship CD. We want to put some helps in your hand to help you and spur you on in your relationship with Christ. This is what I know. The devil, he's not happy with what you've done. He's not excited. He's going to try to trick you and, and dupe you and, 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 and really deceive you and to say that's not real. You need to know that it's real. And you, need, you need to know your best days are yet to come in Jesus' name. So on your way out, stop, will you? And for everybody tonight, I'm just praying that you'll experience God's joy, that you'll worry less and pray more, that you'll quit rehearsing the hurts and the wrongs, and you'll release it to Jesus, that you'll give more and expect less. Here's my prayer, that may the God of hope fill you with his presence as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with great joy. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen.